Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hi, this is Marion Bartoli. I'm Mats Villander. This is Mary Carrillo. I'm Stan Wawrinka. I'm Leighton Hewitt. I'm Andy Murray. And you're listening to The Tennis Podcast. to you today on not one of the happiest days in the sporting calendar or indeed in the history of our involvement our interest our tennis watching lives because today the entire grass court season for 2020 was cancelled there will be no Wimbledon there will be no fever tree championships at the Queen's Club there will be no Eastbourne there will be no nothing on a grass court this year and the reason well we all know the reason it's because of the coronavirus and I don't know why because I've known obviously that this day was coming uh, we've 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 read the reports of Simon Briggs and our various other colleagues in the media we've heard all the talk over the last um few few days and it's been building to this moment but it still today felt like a shock that Wimbledon and Queens and all those tournaments that I've just mentioned won't be played and I found myself feeling pretty emotional about it um Catherine Whitaker is here how you doing Catherine hello David I'm I'm doing okay no you're not (laughs) you're like me you're you're an absolute wreck like me uh Matt Roberts is here hello Matt Hi, yes, not going to lie. We've had lots of nice messages of people talking about coming to the podcast for a bit of levity and a bit of relief, but I'm feeling really quite down today. Um, yeah. Just we're a, to warn we're everyone a hype straight man up. down. Oh, dear. Yeah. Even and, David's uh, down. I, I, I found out today when my wife was asking me whether it had been confirmed, because she, she'd heard all the talk, and she said, and it would have been your 25th Queens this year, wouldn't it? and i said oh yeah yeah it would have been and uh, and it just it it was a moment that got to me because i think over the last couple of weeks uh i i felt pretty i don't know pragmatic about everything and and also started to think well there are there are pros as well in terms of lifestyle of of just getting off the the treadmill for a bit and having a bit more of a relaxed time and i still i still feel that i mean i i wish to my bones that this was not happening obviously because of all the devastation around the world and all the heartache it's causing and and we know how serious this is way beyond sport as well but it was just the moment on april the 1st that we're sitting here and i looked into the future and realized 
for the first time, there will not be these tournaments. That was the moment that it became apparent to me that this is actually real, that they're not going to exist this year. And it's the first time in 75 years, I was reading in Simon's piece tonight, that there will be no Wimbledon staged. And the last time was World War Two. So let's speak to the man himself. The man who's been reporting all this news. Hello, Simon. How are you doing? <laughs> the bearer of bad news. Yeah. Is that, is that Gandalf? Is he, he has that thing in Lord of the Rings, isn't he? He's, he's, he's the one who always comes up with the bad news. Yes. Uh, I think you'll find, Simon, that Gandalf is the guy that rides in on Shadowfax and saves the day. Oh. Don't taint Gandalf for me as well as everything else. Somebody gives him. Uh, somebody calls him a stormcrow at one point for bringing all the bad news. I've read the Lord of the Rings too. I used to read that a lot. But then he makes it all better. He brings the bad news and also brings the solutions. What have you got? <laughs> Tap dance. <laughs> yeah. I could do one of those uh, those things where I turn the trampoline on its side and, um, and use it as a rebound wall, but it's not frankly going to excite anyone, is it? Oh, dear. So, come on, Simon. <laughs> How long have you known that this day was coming? Because I think you were one of the first people that I read at the weekend saying, this is definite. Uh, yeah, I mean, there were certainly people who were in touch with broadcasters who were saying that they were basically working on the basis it was off. There were people who uh, were hearing about, you know, the kind of hospitality events, like like the kind of the dinners around the, uh, Wimbledon, which were which were now sort of had been cancelled pretty officially. I mean, this has kind of been going on for a week or two. Uh, but we had to wait for the club to make the final announcement. But the funny thing is, I mean, actually, if you go back to the very first moment when it all stopped, which was March the 9th, when I got up at um, 6am for a, a taxi to the airport to go to Indian Wells, where I've never been before, um, and uh, and read that it had been cancelled overnight and went back to sleep. Were you on a 10.20 from Heathrow, Simon? Yeah, I think we were on the same flight, but Jamie Murray had immediately tweeted, OK, so if Indian Wells is down... You know, where does that leave the, the clay court and, and where does it leave the grass? And, you know, I mean, that's, that morning, I think I wrote a piece saying, well, he's kind of, kind of got a point. So even if you go back to, to, to March the 9th, when Larry Ellison um, made a, what is now looking a very smart move to cancel on the basis of one case in the Coacella Valley, um, there was a sense that dominoes were tumbling and that this dominoes it was going to fall, and you know my my piece in this morning's paper was about well, what are the dominoes after this? Because obviously the American swing's not looking too great with the uh, lack of containment there, and um, and then you've got the Asian swing. So uh, how many players are going to be looking to go there? So I mean the most the most uh, serious um, suggestion I could come up with for a resumption. I mean I'm probably getting a bit ahead of the question you asked me, but. If you look at the indoor European season, that would be when you'd think that might be the best chance to get back on court. Wow. Crikey. European indoor season ahead of the US swing because of the reasons you've mentioned. What about the French Open, though, Simon? Because that's yeah. now plonked itself in in September. No, the French the French could, could be a possibility. And there is talk, I think, that we might have some rescheduled clay court events maybe building into that. Um, if things were to improve, you might maybe get the, the, the Madrid and Rome turning up again um, and finding a, a niche in there because, yeah, the, I think the States is going to be out of the question, probably. Um, but, I mean, well, I suppose 
I mean, Madrid and Rome, I mean, Spain and Italy are in bad nick at the moment too. So they're, 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 these are still optimistic proposals. Yeah, my, we, we had a little gang of uh, tennis writers had a, um, a, a virtual drink on a Monday night, I think it was, and we each cast our votes on when we thought the season or tennis in general might resume, and I went for the Paris Masters. What was the uh, the popular vote elsewhere amongst your well, number? Quite a few people were going for the Australian swing, you know, um, nothing in 2020, which obviously has been a fairly popular view, including uh, Craig Tiley said that, didn't he? Amelie Marismo said it. No more tennis, please, this year. Um, let's, just, let's just accept that it's been knocked over and, and, and restart. I mean, it, the more I think about it, the more you think that perhaps tennis is the, is the most suboptimal sport for dealing with this virus because it's got the, the, the broadest international spread and, and the sole trader issue, you know, whereas team sports can operate in it within their own national uh, arena potentially. I mean, we all thought when we had the same chat that uh, football might be back on by by the summer, by late summer, uh, behind closed doors, um, if only to keep stop people from going start raving bonkers. Uh, and then, you know, in tennis, you've got individual sole traders from the broadest geographical spread. We all know that the, the great strength of the sport is it's got an office on every continent, the only sport apart from football t- to have that. So suddenly, the strength of the sport are being turned against it. Sorry to burst your bubble, Simon, but Gandalf, you ain't. That was bleak. <laughs> Absolutely bleak. I just haven't come up with the solutions yet. Oof. Wow. Yeah, there is something really cruel about tennis's strength going to be the thing that is going to hold it back from coming back from this coronavirus situation. Everything we celebrate tennis for is what is going to make it so difficult to get back, as Simon's just said. The fact that, you know, you can't, you can't imagine a tournament coming back until everyone is able to play it because it's just simply not going to be fair if you're not able to accept people from all countries yeah i think you might have to get um, a situation potentially of of exhibitions um to try and stop the sport from disappearing completely to to remind people that it it exists if you go into a into a uh, a potential future where things have improved but are still um tightly controlled where, where international travel hasn't resumed and and uh, airplane seats are really not available but some countries have got some sort of grip on the pandemic then you can potentially look at ex- exhibitions to just make sure some tennis is being played in some form but to return the concept of rankings points you require some kind of equity of access and that's going to be the hardest thing it, it seems clear to to me from what i'm hearing simon that at- as and when it does resume, assuming that it's sometime this year rather than um, it not being a scenario where the entire 2020 season is done away with and we resume um, at the start of 2021, it seems clear to me that at, at whatever point it does resume, they will do away with the off-season and, and try and patch together as much of a a sort of make-up period during what would have been the off season, as as they possibly can, is that the sense that you get? Perhaps. I mean, one tournament which probably is going to struggle is to be staged at all is the ATP Finals or the WTA Finals, um, because you're going to have very limited um, data to put into that, and it's just going to feel strange. I think so. Those might not happen, but yeah, potentially you could get reschedulements for, like we're talking the French Open type moves from tournaments that haven't been able to be taken 
place in earlier in the year. But look, I think the the chances of, of 2020 being completely wiped out must be at least 50-50. Russell Fuller today reporting on the BBC Sport website that California in December is being considered as a potential, or at least there are rumours that it might be considered as a potential US Open venue um, to push it back and just chuck it, at, I guess, at where Indian Wells is played. Yeah, it'd be bloody cold, won't it? I mean, the the, the um, there's uh, a lot of history from the UK, sorry, the British team playing Davis Cup final there. Um, it was our last final before the one that we won in Ghent under Andy Murray's uh, sort of brilliant season um, when John McEnroe took us on. Do you remember that one? Yeah. Um, it was in the, in the mid-70s, I think. <laughs> a bit before my time, but uh, the... Uh, apparently the temperature then was really cold um, and that was November I would have thought so it, it'll be quite cold in, in Indian Wells then but yeah perhaps we have to put up with a little bit of uh, a chilly weather in order to get something staged We won't care at that point though will we? I mean whew, yeah. Do you think all, all of it goes out of the window in a way Simon in terms of the conventional wisdom that we have I mean there's a a viewpoint that well if you if you did that that wouldn't really be the US Open would it well do you have to just sacrifice all of that for the sake of getting tennis played wherever it can be played at, later on in this year yeah i mean I've, i think there's a sense that you've got to accept that things might be uh suboptimal as i said earlier um people are asking how can the french open go ahead uh, a week after the US Open, if, if they were both to be staged as they're presently lined up. I mean, both events would probably just be desperate to get um, to get a go-ahead because, as, as we, we've all been writing, none of those other slams have the cover, the insurance cover, against infectious disease, which the Old England Club has very cleverly uh, invested in for some years now. So, um, I mean, the guy from the... French Tennis Federation gave an interview to Keep, the finance director, saying that they would lose 260 million euros in revenue with um, a knock-on of 100 million euro loss to recreational tennis in France if it can't be staged this year, and there's no cover. Uh, so that's just um, you know a huge hit. I mean, the French tennis scene is big and can probably survive, but it's a it's a massive financial loss for any tournament that can't get staged so if you're saying well it's a bit tough for players to turn around and get back on the bike after six days layoff well yeah but i mean if you can get those tournaments on you're going to get them on that, that's a huge deal isn't it that wimbledon apparently have that cover in place and i mean that has huge knock-on effects doesn't it for the british game generally that they are still going to have a, a financial situation that can help british tennis and i guess means that they're not scurrying around trying to find another place in the calendar. Yeah, I mean, the uh, the guidance I've had on that is firstly that the insurance company have, have agreed that the government guidance as it stands it does trigger the infectious disease uh, clause. There was some debate about whether they have to have a specific instruction from the government not to stage Wimbledon, but apparently, you know, the stay at home is good enough to, to, to trigger the clause. And then the other thing, you know, point I would make is that, as I, as I understand it, the whole kind of uh, raison d'etre of that insurance was to protect the game um, and the LTA and, and, and the British infrastructure 
that, that relies on the Wimbledon surplus. So although it sounds bizarre that you can insure a surplus, I think the LTA are going to get you know, a good slice of the 40-odd million they would expect in a normal year, despite the cancellation, which is remarkable. And, and you've got to salute the, the, All England, the All England Club, who I think, even though Boris Becker has uh, been the one person today coming out and saying, well, I think, think they've gone a bit early. Why couldn't they have waited till May? Uh, but I think everyone else is probably um, quite impressed at the way that they've handled the whole situation. Just how rare is that insurance policy? It obviously seems to be incredibly rare in tennis. Is that across sport as well? Do, do you know anything about that? Whether I don't know whether golf events have have a insurance policy that would that would sort of protect them like this, or is that just incredible? foresight and planning from Wimbledon? I think it's pretty unusual. You haven't, I haven't seen anybody else refer to anything similar. As I understand it, you know, it, it's a cancellation policy, um, but it has the clause, infectious disease. So the two things that, that, that are most likely to, to create this kind of nightmare are terrorism or infectious disease. And so insurance companies often do their best to keep them out of these policies. And you've got to fight and pay to uh, get them <laughs> to, to leave them in. And so it's, it's taking quite a lot of effort just to make sure that the uh, club continues to be insured on this um, and a lot of money. You know, we're talking about um, over a million annually on, on this policy. Um, but it's, uh, it's absolutely inspired, really, in hindsight to, to, have, to have kept it going. I mean, I, I think it dates back to pretty much before anybody that I know at the club was there. So it's not a new thing. You know, certainly, I think it might it might have been started in the last century rather than twenty first century, but it's uh, yeah, it's a lifesaver. Mm. And I mean, how, what is your sense of the temperature at, at the All England Club generally? I mean, obviously, it's a huge blow historically, and and you you just got the sense from the way they phrased everything today. It's just that feeling of there's so much we can do, there's so much that money can achieve, but nothing can can deal with this is it i guess it's just one of acceptance really i think they've been very composed i mean as they always are i mean it's it's an event which has this ethos of trying to look effortless and sort of stately uh, and there is a bit of a kind of the old cliche about the the swan with its feet paddling madly away underneath the surface but they have uh, shown themselves to have made the right preparations and they've tried to put it off until late, late April. That was their original intention to put it off until late April because that would have been the eight-week mark at which the, the, the construction starts. That was the point at which the Roland Garros cancelled eight weeks ago when you've got to start building stands. They, they, they were going to try and keep it until late April before the decision, but as I heard, uh, I think one of the problems was that there were so many contractors who were waiting on um, news, both from the club and from the LTA, who run the other grass court tournaments, who are already really badly exposed and, and in terrible trouble, people who build stands, people who supply seats, people who run power lines, people who cater. And, and you know, they, they have to find a way of trying to survive those companies, and it doesn't help them to have to wait another few weeks before the decision comes in. Yeah, I, I, I know that's... Obviously, working as closely as we do with Queens, the build there to just erect the stands from scratch and build a tournament is six weeks. So, yeah, that that end of April date was one I'd heard as well. Um, but just as things have moved along, it's become increasingly 
apparent that 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 it was just unrealistic to to expect to return to tennis in June and July. Um, I just wonder as well, Simon, the f- the further reaching ramifications of this for for players. We've been throwing names around amongst ourselves this week of people we we would love to try to speak to and get a sense of just just what it's going to be like for people and and then i was reading quotes from coaches and and so many people who work in tennis that this is going to hit so many people isn't it Do, do you get a sense how far down the rankings for instance you go for anybody i mean i guess the top 50 are going to be able to see out a year without too many problems because of the money they've built up but but you go much below certainly 100 you you've got problems haven't you yeah i mean i, I sort of wrote that it's about the squeezed middle really because if you're if you're a top player you're obviously insulated because you're quite well off um although you know it's not for everyone i mean dan evans has only been in the, in the top 50 for a short time so he's not had a chance to kind of build up the same sort of cash as somebody like a, I don't know, Jules Simon who's been there for donkey's years. Um, but yeah, so the, the top players will be reasonably insulated. Then when you get down to like below 250 towards to 300, you're dealing with people who aren't making a living anyway. They're better off not playing. Um, so they, most of those would live at home, you know, when they're not on the road anyway. So, that, so you don't have to worry too much about them. But then everybody who's in that sort of right range when they're just on the edge of main draw at slam, all their qualifiers, which goes back down to 250 or so. You know, those people uh, on the single side and then doubles players, maybe top 100, top 75. These are people who would have made a reasonable living. And as the British coach Calvin Betton said to me, you know, you set out your year and you look and you see, I'm probably going to play the four slams. I'm probably going to play the Masters series because I'm, you know, I spoke to Luke Bambridge as well, the British doubles player. I'm 52 in the world. I'm going to play those events. So you start and you say, what do I get if I lose first round in all those events? You get quite a good money at the slams. You get quite good money in Indian Wells and Miami. You can now rent somewhere and anything you get on top of that is, is, is you know, happy days. But now your guaranteed income, which you thought was, you know, you couldn't miss, <laughs> even if you had a shocker of a year, is suddenly gone. Um, and that's where we're going to need support. So there is definitely going to be support for British players. Um, there will be LTA help. There will be help from Wimbledon. Um, they, they said that today in, in their statement, Wimbledon, that they would do their best to support everyone around the world who relies on the championships. Exactly what it's going to be, you know, we don't know. But um, it's, it, we all know that for somebody, I use the example of Liam Brody. So he probably would have got a wild card into main draw. He's 211 in the world. His hard work for the rest of the year is almost uh, expressed in one big payday when he gets 50,000 quid for a first-round loser if he doesn't make second round at Wimbledon. Um, so for somebody like him, it's, it's life-changing, isn't it, to have Wimbledon taken away? Um, and those are the people that, that are really going to be under threat. And the coaches, you know, Michael Joyce tweeted today, like 90% of coaches wouldn't have a contract wouldn't have any reliable income. And, and even maybe some of the ones who do, do have the right to ask their player for money probably would think twice before asking a player who can't play. So um, it's, it's impossible for coaches, uh, fitness trainers, stringers, those kind of people. And Calvin Besson said to me, you know, he's a British coach who works with people mostly on the Futures Tour. He said, if let's say football goes back to, to, to playing, um, but there's no tennis this year, I'd like to see the LTA put on money tournaments 
So at least players have got something to do. And the ecology of all these other jobs that feeds off them can, to some extent, just get a little bit of lifeblood through those kind of capillaries. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hello, Tennis Podcast listeners. David here. Now, you might know that I love a bit of cooking, and I think I'm quite good at it. But if I'm honest, even I get fed up trying to work out what to do every night. That's where Home Chef comes in. Being able to put together a delicious meal without the long prep and the cook times Well, that's pretty cool. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify your cooking experience. They have over 30 options a week and serve a variety of dietary needs so you don't have to worry about what to make ahead of time. Not only is it convenient, but it's economical too. Home Chef customers save an average of $86 per month on groceries. Now, for a limited time, Home Chef is offering Tennis Podcast listeners 18 free meals plus free dessert for life and, of course, free shipping on your very first box. Go to homechef.com slash tennis. That's homechef.com slash tennis for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. You heard it right. Yeah, I mean, the 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 implications of how all this will change the face of tennis and sport and the world etc once relative normality is resumed are it's mind-boggling isn't it i mean surely surely sort of contracts and so on are, are going to change the relate the the nature of the the deals between coaches and players i mean there was an it, there was um an article um, in the New York Times a couple of days ago that Matt you flagged about how this could change the face of the calendar um, due to the, you know the the impact this is going to have on ATP 250 events which make up the majority of of the ATP calendar. I mean I think he he used the line that uh, Chris Clary this is in the New York Times used the line that. Um, 
most ATP 250 tournaments are one medium-sized sponsor away from from going into the red. You know, many of these won't survive. The whole of tennis and the interdependent relationships between all the various organisms or stakeholders, wherever you want to call it, it's all going to change, surely, in, in ways that we can't quite conceptualize at the moment specifically but it's all going to change you'd have to think um yeah i mean the the tournaments again it's a bit of a sort of the 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 rich ones you think the masters would be okay um once you get to some of the small ones again some of them are making a loss anyway um it's interesting you look at the 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 british grass court season and only queens apart from wimbledon would make a profit and pretty much Queen's is paying to offset the losses of things like Birmingham, Eastbourne, um, Surbiton, you know, um, Nottingham. So uh, not staging those events is not a problem for the LCA. Uh, but the, there's so many different business models. So some tournaments are run by entrepreneurs, some are run by federations, and therefore, you know, we'll have a much... Um, uh, more rationale to keep going, whereas some entrepreneurs might just pull the plug and say, look, well, we'd like to get rid of this week now. Um, and if you're, if you're the ATP, for instance, I think you might be thinking, could you potentially, um, reorganize some of the, some of the, the, the flakier bits of the calendar if, if tournaments do drop away? Because uh, as you say, a lot of those smaller ones are kind of clinging on, um, and you know that they're struggling year by year, and and it's almost been the case of waiting for the kind of crisis that, that might push them over the edge. Just to read out the line that Chris Clary put in his New York Times piece was: "Some in tennis see this as an opportunity to streamline a cluttered calendar by finding ways to buy out dates from small struggling events and focusing more on larger events that are more likely to attract top players and television viewers." Is there going to be a black market of uh, ATP sanctions? <laughs> you could get one in Solihull, David. Uh, yeah, we're, we're ready for that. <laughs> just just you and Dan Evans in the draw. And Solihull Simon with a, a wild card. Um, different Simon. Um, actually, Simon, it's, it's, an, it's an important point, really. This could be could be an opportunity for tennis couldn't it to rearrange itself in a more sensible way a way that works for everybody yeah i was talking to somebody the other day i mean if we if we consider the ecological nightmare of the tennis tour you know as uh we're all you know we're all under under 50 aren't we we're we're going to live to see some fairly um dramatic changes as a result of global warming, probably, you know, what about, what about going down the Gulf road and having, you know, a European tour an American tour and an Asian tour with limited kind of coming together moments to try and mitigate some of the incredible damage that we're doing by flying around to all these events. Simon, you were supposed to, uh, you were supposed to perk us up, not introduce new elements of doom. <laughs> you frightening ideas. <laughs> oh, great. This is like we a got, big trip to Mordor. I, I thought that was a solution. 
Don't worry, folks. We've got global warming to look forward to. Everybody. <laughs> when all this is over, don't worry. There will still be global warming to, to contend with. <laughs> I'm still going to be jolly. I'm uh, refusing to, to yield. Um, what is life like being a sports journalist right now, Simon? Well, I've been quite busy. I mean, uh, the last three weeks uh, since uh, that March the 9th uh, flight that didn't happen, I think I've probably been busier than in a normal sort of non-touring week anyway. Um, but tennis has been obviously in that domino sequence we're talking about. And uh, Wimbledon is a story that's been waiting to happen. Um, and today it's happened. So now, now the big question is, what the hell am I going to write about next? <laughs> uh, I guess we'll have a, have a day or two of follow-ups and then uh, it'll be into features land. Yeah do, you ex- yeah, do you expect that to change, Simon? Because, I mean... W- <laughs> This is still, as much as it might not feel like it, pretty early days in all of this, really, isn't it? And and we've there's been a lot of news to to kind of nourish us in terms of conversation topics and debate topics, but that is surely going to peter out, and we're just going to end up with this numb new normality. <laughs> this is more like it. <laughs> um, and. And a void which we need you to fill with features, Simon. What have you got? What's coming? Well, I mean, uh, I, have, I have a back page column on a, on a Saturday, which I assumed the minute that we, we folded our um, tabloid sports section uh, into the paper and it went, went into four pages, basically on the back of the business section, I, I assumed that my back page column, which is called Final Whistle, so, uh, you know, six writers have a different, each have a day when they do the Final Whistle, which is meant to be. The, the 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 upbeat <laughs> off offbeat bit at the back of the book. <laughs> Believe it or not. Okay. Uh, so as soon as that, uh, as soon as we changed format, I assumed that final whistle was now um, kaput, but uh, but it's not. So I, I ended up writing about Jesse Owens last week, which uh, uh, on the basis that it was it was a 30, 40 year anniversary of his passing. So you know, I'm sort of looking looking far afield for ideas. Every day is an anniversary of something. So, yeah. I mean, the, the concept of the peg, which is a big part of, of our business, you know, you know, why are you doing a piece on this player? Because, uh, you know, this is her best result of the year or this is, this is her highest ranking or whatever. You know, like, what, what makes it today that you run the piece? That, that's, that's what the peg is. And, and, and pegs just don't exist suddenly. <laughs> which means, is there an element of, wow, carte blanche, that's really exciting? Or... No, I don't know. I mean, uh, there's plenty of things I'd like to write about, um, and plenty of, of sort of interviews that I've got in got in my notebook, which I'd like to write up. The question is, can I convince anybody else that they're interesting? Because the the, the kind of the, the the means of grabbing somebody by the shoulder and saying, "Oh, you want to read this?" because of, it's 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 Indian Wells, and they're you know they're, they're going to make a, a run. I reckon they're going to make a run. In, in, in in the draw, Indian Wells, and so read this today. You don't have that sort of argument for grabbing anybody and saying read this right now and so that's that's gonna be the issue i don't know if your editor will be listening to this simon but i think that everybody's bar everybody's standards of what they find entertaining are so low right now <laughs> so, so you think that some people might even read my stuff <laughs> i think anything goes 
just there's, yeah write about whatever more, you like and there will be a market, market for it there's yeah. a more of a market for features well we have already announced uh, tennis relived which is now going to get another two-week installment because wimbledon isn't happening this year but it is on the tennis podcast in uh, retro form because we are going to be doing daily editions of the tennis podcast throughout wimbledon looking back on great matches of the past this is where i come into my own folks <laughs> the bbc have it was in your piece, Simon. I'm I'm delivering you news that you delivered to me earlier today. Uh, the BBC have said uh, that they will be broadcasting vintage matches throughout the fortnight where Wimbledon would have been. And it's the 40th anniversary, um, not, not only David's 25th anniversary at Queen's, but the 40th anniversary of Borg McEnroe. So. Do you think they'll just run it every day for two weeks? <laughs> It's disappeared from our screens ever since the centre court roof was finished. Because you remember, it used to be on every uh, couple of days. That one, um, when the old days when they all came off for rain. Uh, but you haven't been able to watch Borg McEnroe tiebreak since since the roof was completed, which is what like is that twelve years ago? Um, uh, anyway, so it's it's kind of like an old relation that we haven't seen for a while because he moved to Australia. So what we might have to do, folks, is watch two matches a day at Wimbledon the one that the BBC show and the one that we've already selected do two podcasts can, can you not get a, get a tip off about what <laughs> we want our own Simon we're, we're our own service <laughs> they can watch whatever they want uh, and we'll watch it with them as well um, well fantastic um, to have you on the podcast as always Simon I just <laughs> wish it was down. under slightly different circumstances <laughs> what has happened in the last month oh my word well, we'll be <sighs> ne- I mean, do you expect it to go qu- quiet for a while now? I mean, this this announcement was broadly anticipated for for a while. Um, do, do you expect it to go pretty quiet now in terms of real um, seismic announcements? Yeah, I do. I mean, uh, you don't want to get too complacent because suddenly you wake up in the morning and uh, Mike Dixon scoops you again. But- <laughs> <laughs> I think there's a good chance that certain, uh, I mean, the, the next domino is, is what? It's the American swing. Um, and, uh, I mean, that just seems just out of control from, uh, from this side of the Atlantic in general, doesn't it? Um, and something we haven't mentioned is the Billie Jean King Tennis Centre being used as a, as a temporary hospital. Yes, and apparently, you know, uh, Wimbledon has made the offer uh, to the local NHS that, that you know, if they want to do something similar there, then it's 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 not out of the question. I think they've donated some protective equipment that they would have had on the site for their own uh, medical teams during the tournament. So uh, they're they're pretty keen to to be as much help as they can be. Um, but uh, I guess we haven't reached that point yet. Wow. Oh dear. Oh dear. Well, Simon. Take care in your self isolation. We, we heard him making a gin and tonic earlier, so he's all right. Uh, <laughs> I've got my Guinness. Visceral um, sound effects. Yeah, sounded so, a lot like something else. Look after else. yourself. <laughs> <laughs> pouring gently. We did think you'd gone to the loo publicly for a second. But turns out not. We were very pleased you um, hadn't figured out the settings of your FaceTime to get the uh, camera working. Yeah, uh, at the moment, folks, we've got Catherine in video form, we've got Matt in video form, we've got Simon as an S, uh, and just on the screen, there is no picture. Um, However, uh, he is with us on the podcast, lovely to have you with us as always, take care of yourself, Simon. Cheers, thanks guys. 
And, See you uh, somewhere, thanks, Simon. Simon. Yeah. Yeah. On, that, on that plane rescheduled for Indian Wells next year. Somewhere yeah. over the rainbow, yeah. 2021. Here we come, folks. <laughs> I'm still Catherine. working on that tranquilizer that will enable me to nap until 2021. <laughs> Don't worry, folks. She's got jigsaws to keep her company. Jigsaws a go-go for Catherine. And we will be back in, uh, at the weekend because we are going to be watching over this weekend the first of our tennis relived installments. It is Miami relived because it, it would have been the final weekend in Miami, folks. I still haven't <sighs> missed two full tournaments. No. Um, and the first match we're going to watch on Saturday at 8pm UK time, uh, 3 in the afternoon in America uh, on the East Coast, is Serena against Venus Williams. Then we've got Andy Murray against David Ferrer on Sunday at, have I got that right? 4pm. Mm, 4pm uh, UK time, 11am on the East Coast. And then we'll be podcasting about it. So watch those two matches with us. We've got the links in our show notes. We'll put them out on social media as well. Wimbledon and Queens and all of the other tournaments we love are going to be back next year. We're going to be back in a few days' time. See you then. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you.